Tonight will be from John chapter 10, John 10, verses 24 through 30. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the, fa I am the Father, I and the Father are one. I'm happy to introduce you to you tonight. Um, a young man that's become a good friend of mine and Matt's and uh, the other guys of our congregation that enjoy our Thursday meetings, um, David and Aaron. Uh, ben Driver is here tonight. Ben is the full-time minister at the Newark Road Church of Christ in Mount Vernon. Actually, I think that's where Matt, is that where Matt and Monica, did you guys go there to Newark Road? So, you want to tell them how many years ago? Just leave it alone. <laughs> you know, before Matt and Monica went to the preaching school, you do the math on your own. Um, they, they were members at Newark Road, and, uh, and that's where Ben and his wife are now. Ben grew up in the Richland Road congregation with his wife, Katie. Um, they grew up in the same youth group, and uh, she finally gave in to his pursuit and uh, decided to go out with him. And uh, they're married now, and uh, they have uh, a beautiful little daughter named Isabella. And uh, Ben and I and, um, met, actually, um, because Dan Massey, remember Dan and Danielle Massey, they go uh, to Newark Road, where Ben preaches now, and uh, at OVU this spring in, in April, I was down there with Matt, and Ben came, and uh, Dan told Ben to make sure he found uh, me and Matt and said hello, and uh, since then, uh, he's been coming down and spending time with us on Thursdays. I've really grown to, uh, to appreciate and love who he is, the work that he does. I think you'll enjoy him tonight, too. Um, so without further ado, Ben. All right. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to see you all. As he said, my name is Ben Driver. So on the count of three, I want you all to say your name. All right. One, two, three. All right. Nice to meet you all. Now, I will not remember that, of course, but it is wonderful to be here. And, uh, you know, it's really great. Uh, to be a part of these meetings that Matt and Anthony have going on on Thursday afternoons. It's really been a blessing to me and to my ministry and uh, a very encouraging thing. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful that you all have given me the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, so it, it's really a wonderful blessing for me to be able to share this time with you. Uh, so Anthony had mentioned that Matt used to go to Newark Road. And a lot of people there still remember Matt with very fond memories. And a while ago, there was a sister there that, that showed me a video clip of their going away party right before they left. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, Matt actually didn't have any more hair then than he has now. Um, so that was kind of my first exposure to Matt. For Anthony, my first exposure was actually not at the OVU lectureships, but we got a flyer about a men's inspiration day he was doing in Zanesville, and that was on the topic of pornography. So I just kind of knew him as the pornography guy. Um, <laughs> but thankfully now I've gotten a chance to know him, and they are both wonderful guys, great guys, and I, I enjoy the time I get to spend with them. Uh, Anthony mentioned that 
Katie finally gave into my pursuit, and that is a much longer story that I'm going to go into now. Uh, but it was uh, quite a pursuit, and I am so thankful that she is my wife and so thankful for the daughter God has given me. So I, I just again want to say thank you for extending the invitation for me to be here. We are going to be in John chapter 10. You know, there's a few things I considered preaching on before I came here, and Anthony had mentioned to me he was doing uh, the Christian Hope as a series, so my first thought was, well, I should probably preach on 1 Peter chapter 1 and on the Christian Hope to clean up any mess that he might have made this morning. But I decided he'd probably do a good enough job, and then I thought maybe I should preach on a Christian despair, you know, to really round things out. But instead I thought I'll preach on the Good Shepherd, which is really a wonderful a uh, wonderful picture that Jesus gives us, but it's one that maybe sometimes we don't take the time to stop and consider. So let's go ahead and, and go to our Father in another word of prayer, and then we'll begin with our study this evening. Father, we come before you now, so grateful for all that you've done, thankful especially for Jesus Christ who came to this earth to be the Good Shepherd. And God, I pray now that as I uh, strive to preach and teach your word that somehow through something that I say you would work in the hearts of the men and women here. Father, I know that my word uh, does not have any power in itself, but I know that your word has power. So I pray that you would help me to preach faithfully, that you would help me to accurately present this passage in this teaching. Um, but also, Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts and minds during this time. God, we love you so much, and I pray for this congregation and ask that you would bless them and that they would continue to increase and grow uh, in their faith and in their passion and their fervor for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a lot of times when preachers talk about this idea of Jesus being the good shepherd, they really like to emphasize the fact that the Bible calls us sheep. And I think it's because sometimes as a preacher, you understand that there are sometimes frustrations with the flock of God. And let's face it, sheep aren't really that attractive. Uh, they're not the brightest of animals. Sometimes they're kind of dirty. They're kind of smelly. And so a lot of times, preachers really like to say, oh, you know, Jesus calls us sheep. And you know, sheep aren't too bright. And sheep really need a lot of training and a lot of prodding to get them uh, in the right position. When I was in high school, I worked on a pig farm for a number of years, and of course pigs are not the same as sheep, but my boss, kind of as a pet project, he had about six sheep, and so that was totally different from the, the pigs there, and they were just kind of like his, his special little animals. So occasionally he would say, all right, Ben, go clean the sheep pen. And, you know, cleaning the pig pen was pretty gross. It was pretty nasty. It wasn't all that enjoyable. But when you go to clean the sheep pen, it was a little bit different because my boss would say, make sure you always have that shovel with you because if you turn your back on the ram, he's going to come at you and you need something to block him. Uh, and so that was my only experience with sheep. And so when I would read that the Bible calls us sheep, I say, well, makes sense to me. You know, sometimes uh, people are kind of hard to deal with. Sometimes they're trying to ram you. Sometimes they're getting in your way. But you know, the point of this is not to insult us in any way, it's not to demean us, but it's really to focus on the fact, not just that we are sheep, but that we have a shepherd, and we have a good shepherd, and that shepherd is Jesus Christ. So in John chapter 10, we get this wonderful teaching 
about what it means to have one who is a good shepherd. And um, I cannot possibly explain everything that is taught here in this passage. Um, But what I can do is try to give you a general idea of what it means for Jesus to be our good shepherd. What that provides for us. What that gives us. And so what I want to do, I'm going to read almost the whole chapter. And so I would encourage you to open your Bible and read along with me. I know sometimes uh, when we have a long scripture reading, we can get kind of bogged down in it. But I think God's word is really what is powerful here. So I want to read from verse 1 to verse 30. And I would encourage you to read along with me. And then we'll look at bits and pieces of this together. John chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used when he was with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, uh, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I also must bring them, so that they, I'm sorry, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I take it down, I'm sorry, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of a man oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. And so the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never 
perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so from that moment, uh, the Jews, they pick up stones. They're ready to stone him because all of a sudden something has clicked in their mind and they realize here is a man who's claiming to be the Messiah. Here is a man who is claiming to be the Christ. Psalm 23 is a psalm that many of us probably know pretty well and it's one that relates to this. And it begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so what Jesus does here is he, of course, does not deny that claim, but Jesus Christ comes onto the scene and he says, look, I am the shepherd, thereby saying, I am the Lord. But the Jews didn't get it until he said it explicitly. So Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, I am this good shepherd. And he goes into great detail here about all that the good shepherd does. And so I want to give you some things that will hopefully help you to realize who the Good Shepherd is, what he does, and ultimately why that matters. So I like to sometimes try and put all my points into one statement, and usually it's pretty corny because I love alliteration and rhyming, so be prepared for that. But the Good Shepherd supplies us with intimacy, community, and security for eternity. Now, if you can remember that, you basically can remember this full message. And so what I want us to do is to simply go through and talk about each one of these things and see how Jesus provides us with intimacy. He provides us with a community, with security, and he provides it for us for all eternity. Now, here's the thing. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, I bet you want these things, whether you know it or not. See, in our culture, people are desperate to find intimacy. And intimacy, of course, it, it doesn't have to be sexual in nature, although our culture often sexualizes it. But intimacy is simply this idea that you are known deeply and that someone else knows you deeply, that you are loved, you are accepted, you have a place in which you can feel safe and secure. And people in our world today are desperate for this. I mean, you look at movies, you look at TV, you look at our media, and you see that people are starved for the story of intimacy. They want to feel that connection. They want to feel that love. And community. Community is really this idea of, of belonging, of being a part of something that is bigger than myself of being a part of something in which I can say it's not just about me and about my wants and my needs, but it is about this bigger family, this bigger community. And security, everyone deep down wants to feel safe. But you know, there's a lot of different places you can go to find intimacy, to find community, and to find security. The problem is none of them last and none of them truly come through for you. So you might find the greatest intimacy with your spouse humanly possible. You might have the best marriage there is. I mean, it, it's romantic, it's wonderful. Uh, you, you know, you guys just, you have that connection. And you might say, this intimacy is great. But there is a time when they will let you down. 
And even if it is the greatest relationship possible, there's a time when that relationship will end, when someone will pass on, and the intimacy will be gone. You might be a part of some of the greatest groups, the, you know, the greatest clubs or communities that there are, but eventually it is going to let you down. You might feel safe, you might feel secure in all these wonderful things that you have, but it only takes a minute for you to lose your health or lose your finances. And so we're desperate for these things, but we cannot seem to find them for eternity. But Jesus, the Good Shepherd, shows us that not only can we have these things, but we can have them for forever, for all eternity. So let's look back at our passage and examine a few things here. Look with me at verse 3, and we'll talk about this idea of intimacy for a few moments. Verses 3 through 5. Jesus writes to them, or I'm sorry, Jesus is speaking here, John writes it, and Jesus says, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before him, them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so one of, one of the first things that Jesus teaches here to his uh, followers to those who are listening is this idea of intimacy. This idea that you can be known and you can be loved. You know, I love the expression here. He says that my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, and I call them by name. I once heard a preacher say that one of the most tangible ways you can show someone love is simply by saying their name. And I think we understand there's a great power when, when you hear your name called. Uh, you know, just think about some situations in life. Maybe it's back in school when, when they're picking teams and, uh, you know, you're waiting for your name to be called. And the one thing you don't want is for your name to be called last. Right? There's a great power in hearing your name called. Or maybe it's in school and you really hope that the teacher will not call your name because you don't know the answer. Um, either way, we understand that there's a power when we hear someone speak our name. Uh, if our name appears in the paper, as long as it's not in the uh, obituaries or the police report, we're usually pretty happy about it. Uh, that's usually a positive thing. We get excited when we open up Facebook and we see that notification, you know, you've been tagged in this post. Someone has put your name down. And Jesus says, I know my sheep by name. See, to Jesus, you're not just a number. You're not just a seat in a pew. You're not just a, uh, you know, nameless sheep that is a part of his flock. But for every single believer, Jesus says, I know your name. And I call you by name. And he says, this intimacy is so deep that the sheep will recognize the voice of their Savior. And the Savior knows his sheep. He says that there are other people that might try and impinge on this. There are false teachers, there are thieves, there are robbers. But he says, the sheep, they don't know that voice. 
they don't recognize it because there's no intimacy there. And so Jesus says, I can provide you as my sheep with the greatest intimacy, the greatest love, the greatest relationship that is possible. The problem is, it's not always easy for me to feel that intimacy. It's not always easy for me to hear the shepherd calling my name. It's not always easy for me to listen to his voice. And so what I often do, and what I imagine many of you often do, is I run to a million other things to fill that void. And I think, well, maybe, maybe it is my spouse that's supposed to fill that void for intimacy. Maybe it is the friends in my life that are supposed to fill that void for intimacy. Or maybe uh, it, I should just try to escape reality by diving into books or diving into movies and, and just distract myself so I don't become aware of the emptiness inside me. The truth is what we're simply doing is running to a thief, running to a robber. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I long to provide you with intimacy. But next, this idea of community. Uh, if you will, look with me uh, back in John chapter 10 and uh, verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay down my life of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. Uh, and he goes on there to speak about uh, the fact that him and the Father are one. He has received this charge from the Father. And so Jesus says um, that not only does he give us this intimacy that we so desperately crave, but he gives us this idea of community. That it's not just you on your own. You know, Christianity was never designed to be a religion that was just between you and God. And sometimes we've reduced it so much to say, you know what, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and um, that's all there is to it. But the Bible says we are part of a body. We are part of a family. Together, like living stones, we are being built up into a spiritual house of God. If you just have one stone, how good of a house is that going to be? Not very good. And so he says, together, we can be a part of this community. And Jesus provides us with the greatest community possible. He says that not only is there this one sheepfold that he's talking about, but he says there are other sheep. And Jesus has, is going to gather them, to bring them into the fold. And he says there will be one fold and one shepherd. Jesus longs to give us community. Over in the UK, there's this movement and it's called the Sunday Assembly. And uh, if you've never heard of it, what it is is basically a church for people who don't believe anything. Uh, it was started by an atheist comedian. And uh, him and a couple other guys decided, you know what? We don't believe in God, not in the slightest. We don't believe in any spirituality whatsoever. But we kind of miss church. We miss what church provided for us. And so they created this thing called the Sunday Assembly. And so if you were to go there, you would sing along to some 
I don't know, classic rock tunes, I guess, and you would hear a motivational speaker uh, tell you about how to better yourself, and you would hopefully engage in volunteer activities to help the poor and to make the world a better place, but, but of course you'll never be told what to believe, you'll never be told what's right or wrong or any of these things. And on their website, if you look them up, they'll even say that though they don't believe anything, one of the things they're trying to do is form a community, a place where you can be accepted. You see, it's not just people in church that want a community. I think everyone is desperate for this idea of being a part of something bigger than themselves. No one wants to go it alone. And so Jesus says, I have provided the ultimate sheepfold. Jesus says, I have the ultimate flock. And even though there are maybe many little places where the flock is scattered, he says, I am going to gather them so that there will be one flock, just as there's one shepherd. Now, I don't know your history very much. I don't really know too much about you guys. But uh, back in Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon is not a big town. I don't know how many of you have been there, but it, it's not a big town. And there are two churches of Christ in Mount Vernon. And uh, there's us, and then there's the other Church of Christ. We are Newark Road Church of Christ. There's the East Side Church of Christ. And both of our congregations are pretty small. Uh, we are generally about 50 people on a Sunday morning. They're probably about 35 on a Sunday morning. And um, there's plenty of space for us to get together. Uh, our building's more than big enough. Um, but, you know, the reason we are not worshiping together is, I think, because of some silly things, right? People get bogged down about uh, all these things, about you know where donations go to, uh, about if you do this, if you do that, what's your view on things like divorce and remarriage, and, and some things that are serious issues, but are very difficult, tough issues. And my remark to the congregation was, isn't it sad that though we are one flock, we cannot get along in the same pen. And I don't know what your situation is here, but I think there's a great temptation for us to say, you know what, we are the flock of God, and those other people who maybe are a little bit more conservative, or maybe those other ones who are a little bit more liberal, they don't belong to the flock. We are the only flock. But Jesus says, I came so that there would be one flock. So that there would be a unity within this community. And so we are to strive to build up that community. And then lastly, Jesus here tells us, and by the way, lastly there doesn't mean I'm near done. So don't get too excited. But security here. And if you will look at verse 10. Verses 10 through 15. I guess I should move out of the way so you can see it up there. Uh, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand uh, and is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and he flees. Uh, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We all want security. We all want to feel safe. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who can provide you with that security. I am the shepherd that can protect you. I am the shepherd that can keep you safe from the wolves and keep you from being scattered. A number of years ago, a man broke into my neighbor's house. And we're very close with that family. Uh, well, it's my parents' neighbors now. But uh, we're very close with that family. They're a Christian family. Our kids grew up together. Their kids. I was one of the kids. We all grew up together. Um, but when a man broke into their house, you know, everything changed. All of a sudden, it wasn't just, you know, oh, we live out in the country. We're probably pretty safe. But it was, we've got to make sure we lock every door. In fact, the family not only um, would make sure they locked all the doors and did all this, but they put up motion-censored lights around their house, and, and they bought some firearms, and the wife learned how to shoot the gun, and you hear them out there sometimes doing target practice. And uh, they put out all these safeguards and all these precautions because a man had broken into their house. Thankfully, no one was hurt and nothing was taken. Uh, he was caught before he was able to do any damage. But everything changed after that, in my neighbor's house and even in my own house. And it's because we were all afraid. And all of a sudden, this sense of security that we all feel inside our own homes was destroyed. And we realized that even in this house that we feel so safe in, we're really not safe. And there's a lot of dangerous things out there. No one wants to live like that. No one wants to be in this state when they are constantly afraid. And Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to be. Because I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd protects his sheep even to the point that he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And so Jesus says you can have security. And all of these things, all of these things are things that are promised to us for all eternity. And you know what's amazing is not only that they will be there in all eternity, but they will be perfected in eternity. Uh, look with me at a couple more verses here. Verses 28 through 30. Uh, Jesus says here, I gave them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus says they have not just life, but eternal life. Life that never ends. And he says they can rest safe and secure in my Father's hand, and they can rest there for all eternity. But you know, sometimes in this life, I know, and you probably already knew before I got up, got up here that Jesus is our good shepherd. And you probably already knew that Jesus wants to give you this wonderful relationship, that he wants to give you intimacy, that, that Jesus wants you to love him and he wants to show you his love. You probably knew that. And you probably knew that Jesus has given us a community and it's supposed to be a wonderful community, the body of Christ. 
And you probably already knew that Jesus says, do not fear, and that he promises that he will be there and watch over us. But if we're honest, sometimes I don't feel that intimacy that I should feel. Sometimes I don't really experience the community that it seems God has promised. And sometimes, though I know Christ wants me to be free from fear, I am afraid. And here's the amazing thing. Though we might struggle with intimacy here with Christ in this life, not only will it last for eternity, but it will be perfected. You see, one day it won't be a struggle to feel close to God and to study his word and to do all those things because we will see him face to face. And though right now, sometimes the community of God can honestly sometimes be aggravating. Sometimes they sin against us and hurt us. Sometimes we sin and hurt others. One day that community will be perfected and it will be the bride of Christ without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And even though we sometimes struggle to experience Christ's security in this life, one day we will be totally free from fear. There will be nothing to harm us or to scare us or to cause us to suffer. So as we wrap up, I wanted to simply look at these four things one last time and simply give us an idea for how we can experience them here and now. Because we know one day it will be perfected, but today it still can be a struggle. So if we want to experience intimacy, we need to listen to the shepherd's voice. Jesus says, my sheep uh, hear my voice, they listen to my voice, they know my voice. And he says, this is the only way you will be able to spot and recognize thieves and robbers if we patiently listen to the shepherd's voice. And of course, listening implies more than just hearing, but also obeying, also following. On a practical note, there is no way for you to hear the shepherd's voice unless you look in the word that the shepherd has authored. I hate to break it to you, um, but three times a week at a church gathering is truly not enough to acquaint yourself with who the shepherd is. You see, this cannot be the extent of our listening to the shepherd's voice. And if we want to experience that intimacy, we also need to seek out Jesus Christ in that relationship. So if we want to experience intimacy, listen to the shepherd's voice. If you want to experience community, stick with the shepherd's flock. I get so frustrated with how many Christians get bent out of shape about something, and, and so their answer is, you know what, I'm just going to leave. The only way that you and I can experience a deep, wonderful community is if we actually stick with it. We've got to have a commitment. We've got to have a willingness to stay with the shepherd's flock, to be a part of a church where there are people who can encourage us and exhort us and help us and strengthen us. You know, a sheep cannot do it alone. 
A sheep needs to be a part of a flock. If we want to experience the security that Christ has offered, we need to rest in the shepherd's hands. Now this is another way of simply saying we need to learn to trust in him. You know, I recently, a couple weeks ago, preached on a passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul describes there in that passage the fact that God is a God of all sufferings. He's the father of all mercies. And he's describing some of these sufferings. And he says, I want you to understand what happened to us in Asia. And he, he describes that to the church in Corinth a little bit. And then he says, we were so burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. But then he says, here's why. Because that was used to teach us to not rely on ourselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. You see, I think part of the reason we don't find security with Jesus Christ is we're constantly trying to do it ourselves. And when you're always trying to do it yourself, you're always running, you're always scrambling, you're always on the move. But when you understand that we have a shepherd that loves us and cares for us, then you can say, you know what, I don't have to run, I don't have to scramble, I don't have to worry about all these things, but I can rest because I have a good shepherd. And if we want to experience this for all eternity, we need to enter by the shepherd's door. If you will, look at this passage one last time in verse 9. Verses 9 and 10. Jesus changes the metaphor a little bit. And instead of saying he's the good shepherd in this verse, verse 9 he says, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. He says, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, the offer on the table is one in which Jesus says, I want you to have life, I want you to have eternal life, and I want you to have that life abundantly. He says, this is something that is going to be overflowing, pouring out, something that is so you know, so much bigger, so much greater, so much better than anything you could imagine. And he says, here's how you experience that. You enter through the door, through Jesus Christ himself. Over in the book of Luke, Jesus tells three parables in Luke 15. One we're very familiar with, we often call the parable of the prodigal son. There's two other parables there. One is the parable of the lost coin, and the other is a parable of the lost sheep. And in that parable, Jesus says, what shepherd who has a hundred sheep will not leave the 99 in open country to go and find the one that is lost? And he says, when he's found that sheep, here's what he does. He picks up that sheep. He puts it on his shoulders and he brings him back to the 99. And then Jesus relates it to us. He says, here's what this means, that there will be more rejoicing before the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents than over those 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. See, you might be here tonight and you might feel like that lost sheep. 
Or maybe you're, you're someone who, who has never entered the sheepfold at all. See, the invitation of Jesus Christ is come to the good shepherd. Let the good shepherd save you. Let the good shepherd rescue you. Let the good shepherd save you from your sins. There is no other way to find true intimacy, to, try, to find true community, true security for all eternity, unless you do so through the good shepherd. And so if there are any here tonight who need uh, the prayers of the congregation, or if there are any here who need to give their life to Jesus Christ and enter into that sheephold, then you can do so uh, at this time as we all together stand and sing an invitation song.